You're listening to Marketing Major at Josh and Mo, a podcast created for students by students who are curious about marketing. Today, I'm excited to welcome back Heather Thompson from the School of Retailing. You might remember we had her on the podcast last season to discuss a little bit about her time at Lululemon and also about the School of Retailing and the opportunities available to students within the school. So welcome back, Heather. Thank you for having me again. We're going to start off the podcast today by just doing a little bit of a pulse check on the retail industry and see how the retail industry is currently doing. So Heather, if we could just start off by talking about where you go to find any information about the retail industry and what what metrics you're looking for as well. I think the first place to start is I go to the Retail Council of Canada. Um, They're one of our partners here at the school and they have a lot of internal reports. The reason why I love to go there first is that they do a really good job of synthesizing the data for you in their reports. So instead of looking at the raw data, they take it, they bring context, and they also regionalize it for us too. So obviously, primarily our market here is Alberta and the capital region. That being said, we do fall behind on the trends a little bit. So we do need to make sure that we're staying current on the global community as well. From there, um, the subscriptions to magazines are also really important. So like the ICSC, so that's the International Center for Shopping Centers. The time um, twister. That is, I know that's why it's like ICSC. Everyone just knows <laughs> yeah, what that is. Let's not try to say that on the episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that one has a lot to do with like land development. So if anyone's interested in commercial real estate, that's the one for you. Um, and so that one is also a North America based one. And the other place that I go is Shopping Centers Monthly, which is such a funny title, but it's actually quite interesting because shopping centers and malls in particular are going through a big renaissance right now. So they're cool to look at because they did do a deep dive. It was like, what's going to happen with all the Sears spaces? And even it was interesting. I didn't know this, but Zellers is still operating in Quebec. There's so, just like a couple oh, wow. even one yeah, left, right? Yeah. I blew my mind and it's like Zellers <laughs> is closing. And I'm like, this is like, it's like a 20 still? year old magazine, <laughs> Zellers. Um, actually, it was my very first job for like five minutes when I was in high At school. At Zellers, wow. At Zellers, yeah. Is that on the resume? It's not. (laughs) No, I really didn't like it. So I skipped over to McDonald's and had a much better time. But anyways, yeah. So it's like using those spaces and what's going to happen in the next couple of years. So there's a lot of cool trends that we can follow from that. Uh, So that's usually where I go to get my information. Okay, sweet. And then on those websites, are you looking at any specific indicators at all? So the big one I like to look at is obviously sales. That's probably the biggest one. And so right now, a lot of companies and shopping centers, whether it's a main street or a mall, use metrics like foot traffic. And I'm starting to learn that that's not a great metric to use anymore. Um, What we're trying to look at is sales per square foot. Even though foot traffic might seem like it's down, you might have more intentional buyers spending more money. So it's like, so for example, Southgate's a is a cool one to look at where it's one of the best performing malls in the country because of its sales per square foot. And when you look at what vendors are in the Southgate mall, pretty high price points given it's such a small mall. Whereas you would think a lot of those stores would, like for example, the Aritzia there is one of the biggest in Western Canada. You would think that they would set up that shop in West Ed, but they chose not to. And malls like West Ed probably have more foot traffic, but that doesn't really translate into their sales as much as it does with Southgate. Exactly. And I know West Edmonton Mall is trying to give Southgate run for their money. They set up that high-end shop or like kind of area near, 
guess that's closer to the water park, but so there's the new Louis Vuitton there. There's Tiffany's, there's Michael Kors. That, oh, that leather brand is coming in. Macage is coming in as well. So it's a very high-end area that they're trying to steal that guest from Southgate as well. So um, both malls are actually performing very well in comparison to a lot of the other malls in the country. So you focus on malls as well. And then mm-hmm. what do you, do you look at the overall industry too? Like the indicators there, or are you more focused on specific, like the malls would be mm-hmm. under clothing and accessories or? Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. So then when we look at the overall industry, so in terms of food and beverage, like little pop-ups, farmers markets, there's a lot that fall under the retail brand. It's hit or miss and how it's doing. So I think of an example in Calgary near that cross iron mills section, so Cross Iron Mills is doing very well, but right next to it, you have the um, that new indoor mall right next to it. So that they're like trying to give away space, it's doing really, really poorly. So it's hit or miss in terms of what is doing well. Generally speaking, little local brands are doing quite well if they are hitting their aesthetics. So people like to support local and they like to do that sort of shopping and food and beverage if it's pretty. And I know that sounds weird and like a little bit shallow, but it's actually what people are interested in. So if they want to, especially in the summertime, right? Like there's a patio with twinkle lights and flowers. They're all over it. Everything has to be like Instagrammable nowadays. Exactly. It's got to be. That's a huge selling point. Exactly. And then when I think of the misses, I think of what's being repeated too frequently. So there's a lot. I know HomeSense and Winners and Marshalls, they are doing quite well. I'd be curious to see how it's going to look in the next couple of years and when that cannibalism is going to happen. And like it hasn't changed much like in the last good couple of years. Yeah. No? Like they've been quite consistent. Super consistent. Yeah. And their model is doing very well. Like they, there's a reason why they're opening up so many stores. They're yeah. that treasure hunt mentality people love. Yeah. That being said, how many is going to be too many? And we'll see what happens from there. But yeah, like even when you go through South Edmonton Common, you know, there's there's a Marshalls there. There was an off the rack Saks Fifth Avenue, um, but Saks is currently closing a lot of its Canadian stores, and they weren't in the market for very long. So, so that's what I mean by hit or misses. It's either if it's doing very well, it's usually doing pretty good. Um, essentially, it's just the retailers that are staying current and innovating are doing well in the Alberta landscape because the economy isn't terrible right now. It's not great, but um, generally speaking, people are spending money. I'm excited to see what Christmas is going to be like this year in comparison to other years. Do you look at different metrics during like the busy Christmas season? Definitely. Yeah. Black Friday, Mm -hmm. um, Cyber Monday, even what's leading up to that week is very interesting. And it's a big indicator for what's going to happen with the rest of the, the holiday season, especially with Canada. We're so new with it. We are so new to yeah. Black Friday, yeah, so um, it's interesting to see how the consumer behavior will keep up to speed on what their American pe- counterparts are doing. Okay, sweet. I think that's a good wrap up for the pulse of the retail industry right now. Uh, switching gears, let's talk about your first year running the School of Retailing. Uh, just wondering how things went for your first year and if any surprises or challenges came up that you didn't quite expect. It was been a big year. Um, I can't believe it's been a year. In some ways, I feel like it's been... Five years. A few of the surprises that I wasn't anticipating was how many myths there are about the, this industry in particular, whether it's salary or hours, um, and how myopic a lot of people's views are about how particular the industry is. What are some common ones that you get? So when it comes down to, like, for example, commercial real estate, a lot of people don't see that as a retail industry job. 
And it is. It might be retail adjacent, but they all kind of work in together. A lot of students in particular didn't see a career path from starting in a retail space, whether it's commercial real estate, food and beverage, or fashion retailers, you know, mall management or something like that, and how that trickles into a really cool career. So a lot of debunking those myths have been a big part of the year, uh, and it's tough to reach everyone. So that was probably the biggest challenge. Um, and surprise that I didn't expect. Speaking of the students, um, I know you've only been doing this for a year. Have you like realized any increased interest within the students like in the retail industry at all? Once they hear about it, mm -hmm. I think their curiosity hat might go on, okay. which is all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a solid, oh, I can't wait to be in this industry for the rest of my life. That's not what I'm interested <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah. I'm just wanting them to consider that, oh, maybe working, I know you had the marketing manager of Booster Juice on, like right. this could be an option for me. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the big five firms or ATB, and ATB is one of our partners and they're a fantastic place to work. So that's an easy example. They just do great PR for their own industry. You know, they're, they have a lot of face time in front of the students. And I think it's important for the not so known industries to still have an advocate for them so students can have the whole spectrum of things to decide for their own careers. I remember when I was a student, I didn't know about a lot of this. And I ended up in this field by accident. And I just don't think that that is the way to go about it for the future. Yeah. Well, and, and one way that school retailing is going to tackle that too is with the reality of retail event too coming up yes. in November. So do you want to just touch on that a bit and explain what that event is and the opportunities there for yes. students? Great segue. Thanks, Josh. Um, so, so the Reality of Retail event is going to be on November 21st, 5.30 to 9.30. It's at the Hotel McDonald. And so essentially this event, I'm really passionate about educating students on this in this industry. So that's what this night is going to be. So um, dinner is from 6 to 7.30. So just bear with me. I just want to explain like the, the dinner game. Yeah, go for it. Um, so and it is going to be emceed by... Yours truly, Josh. Yeah, we'll see how that so, goes. Me and Mark Connolly, yes. though. So. Yeah, Josh and Mark Connolly. So it's going, uh, so the dinner um, isn't like a sit down table dinner. There'll be food stations. Um, and then the industry leaders are going to have tickets for a really cool draw. And I'll see what the prize is in a second. Um, and so what will happen is the students need to come and find a industry leader and ask them a question they haven't already been asked that evening at some point throughout the dinner. And the more questions they ask, the more tickets they get, and they get entered into a draw for a four-day trip to Vancouver at, they could stay at the Fairmont Pacific Rim with a thousand dollars. I was just showing money. him the picture of that yeah. Pacific Rim hotel. Looks it's nuts. Pretty nice. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's like an all-inclusive trip. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, and then from there, we're doing a lifestyle panel. This will be after the dinner. Uh, there's a group of three people who are on the panel who are past graduates of the BCom program and are working in this industry. And we're not going to talk to them about what their jobs are in this industry. We're going to talk to them about what their lifestyle is. And for some reason, this really resonates to students. We're going to talk about what do you make in compensation? Where do you go on your holidays? Where do you live? Like just all these things that from what I've gathered in terms of feedback really motivate students in terms of picturing your future and what's coming up next. So we're going to talk to the people who are actually in it, whether someone's one year out from graduation or 15 years out. So I think that's going to be really interesting and no questions going to be off limits. They're a bit nervous about that, but that'll be fun. And then we're going to still do an award. So we're looking at a few companies that have been nominated. So Pinterest is nominated, Amazon Canada, Staples, 
um, Shopify and Hilberg and Burke. So these are a few companies that are, have just been growing in the Canadian market that are just doing really innovative things that we're going to see them in a landscape uh, in the landscape for a long time. So um, we'll get a keynote from them. So Staples is a very interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I did is. not expect that one to be on the list. Yes. I um, So Staples is interesting. I don't know if anyone, if you guys seen what their new stores look like. I saw it came through my LinkedIn, but I didn't click on it. Yeah, it's really cool. So the concept of staples of what we have grown up with is gone. It is no longer a thing. So this is going to be happening in the Edmonton market sooner than later. They've only rolled out one in Quebec, one in Ontario. But essentially, it's like if Starbucks and like a co-working facility got together and incorporated staples, this is the new staples. Wow. So how does the landscape look then when you walk in? So it's going, they're going to have auditoriums for you to rent, boardrooms for you to rent, the massive, beautiful printing center that will be a little bit more self-automated so you don't have to wait in line. They're still going to have a retail section, but it's going to be like, we don't need that massive stock inventory anymore. Like that's not how retail retailers are operating. We don't care about that. And I think it's really smart of them to bring in this experiential aspect of retail because thinking about shopping supplies or school supplies Amazon, right? right. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to go to Staples anymore. Although maybe this isn't a older millennial thing, but No, no. I I I agree, honestly. Yeah. 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 You, walking you in there shop at Staples? I used to cuz but it feels like you're just walking to a warehouse and yeah. you got to like yeah. walk around circles try to find what you want and That's so right. many options, you don't know what to choose anymore. Yeah. So I think and that trend like what they're moving towards is going to I think it's going to be really successful. Yeah, I think so too. And it's smart that they got on it now because talk about a retailer that could be obsolete in a few years, if not imminently. Yeah, it seems like the one way that those retailers that are kind of on the verge of obsolescence, the one way they try to get out of that is to go to the more experiential side. But it it seems a little bit competitive as well because it's almost, it's been termed like the experience economy as like a whole industry dedicated towards like the most Instagrammable, like cool, revolutionary experience. But sometimes it's hard to take your business and understand, well, where do we start and like what kind of experiences do we offer? And I was wondering if you could just dive into as any retailer, where do you start as a point if you're thinking about diving into like the the experience economy? You have to do what's authentic for your business. Um, there's a new quote now and it says, create an experience first and a store second. But if you're a commodity-based business first, how do you pivot and become experiential? So doing something that's authentic makes sense. So as using the Staples example, um, it's authentic for them to become like a semi-co-working facility because they have the print, they have the Wi-Fi, they have, oh, I'm out of paper. Great, I can go and buy some. So that was an easy one. Making sure um, that it is benefiting your customer to get them to get out of their house. That's probably the best way to start. So replicating something that is already being done, maybe not be the best way to do it. Like I've seen a lot of, like a florist, for example, a lot of them in smaller communities are turning into cafes. Mm. So that may or may not be a good option, but that's um, again, another example where um, that is becoming a bigger part of their bottom line in terms of how they're getting revenue. Yeah, it seems to be one of the things they said not to do was don't just 
expect to put a cafe in your business and then expect a bunch of people to show <laughs> exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like paint nights every night. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to have to align with what your business is. A cool example is um, in this small community in Hannah, Alberta, there's this lady, she owned the Emporium, which was a clothing store, a women's clothing store. And she kept chasing new lines to bring more people in. But if we know of anything of humans of how we like to shop, especially for clothing, is we like to look at many different places at the same time. So having one clothing store isn't probably not going to bring in as much business as possible. So now she's just doing quilting workshops. Like she's completely got rid of her clothing line and now she's doing quilting workshops and she's selling quilting supplies and she is no longer in the red every month. Which is, again, it seems like, oh, I'm going to stop being a clothing store. I'm going to be a quilter. You wouldn't think that that yeah. would all of a sudden be lucrative, but it is because right. it's specialty. It makes sense. Like the House of Knives, their location, they do lots of cooking classes. Mm. Again, that is authentic and it makes sense with their brand. So, and I'm trying to think, oh, Mountain Equipment Co-op, right? They have the climbing walls that you can check out the 3D tents. Again, okay fits with their brand. So it's really important. I would say if you are a commodities-based retailer, you have to figure out a way to have an experiential or you will go out of business, but you have to really be careful about what that is. What's your perspective on like really harnessing the community aspect to of business, especially when you're trying to go into the experiential side? Like as a few examples, we had like the new Lululemon flagship store in Chicago. It's 20,000 square feet and it has two floors of retail three studios and a restaurant. And there's even a rotating cast of retailers on the ground floor that are locally based retailers and host concerts, uh, movie screenings. Like it's almost like it's a hub for the community to hang out. Um, is like what, what industries are most ripe for getting themselves involved in the community? It's a great question because in some ways we're at this interesting paradigm in the retail world because we have a lot of apps and a lot of, support systems in place to keep us isolated. Like skip the dishes, Amazon, like there's a lot. Yeah. Wayfair. There's they a lot. They call it like the glow face epidemic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. On demand hermits was something else I saw you oh, wrote yeah. down. So that's yeah. perfect. So the, the market is very ripe for these, com these companies to create this sense of community. Um, I once saw an article a few years ago about how we were looking at the decline of the church participation because that was a big part of the social community as well. And then we saw that kind of increase with yoga classes, running groups. Um, and so now those are pretty solidified. And so it's going to be interesting to see what companies are going to step into this space and become a community hub for socialization. Um, and I think, especially with Amazon and skip, skip the Dishes, we're not, they're not going anywhere. They're great. They're convenient. We're always going to need them. But what we're going to want, this is just my take on it, we're going to really need to see more places where we can get out and have that social interaction. And it's really interesting to see with uh, farmer's markets. Like they're quite lucrative right now. They are really busy because people want to have that experience. Costco is another really interesting one. When you think of Costco, is it any? It's the least convenient thing in the entire world. It's such a pain, but when you get in there, people love it. That same treasure hunt mentality again. But it's that sense of getting out and being part of something. Um, obviously, I was with Lululemon for a long time, so I'm a bit biased in this. But I think their their flagship is going to make a ton of sense. 
what they're what's authentic for them is creating community. If you can think of an advertisement from Lululemon, I would be very surprised because they don't exist. This has always been their marketing strategy from day one. You might see like an ad in the yoga journal or something like that, but this is literally how they made their money. They went out to the community and they brought a bunch of headbands or they would host a run or they would host yoga classes. And this was their, this is what they sunk all of their money into in terms of creating community because that was their entire marketing strategy. Yeah. We talked about that last time. The I think you, you coined it activation marketing. Yes. Yeah. 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 We're like hitting up the mavens in your community. So this will be really interesting. And I was saying earlier, I think it will be cool to see what retailers they're going to get into cahoots with and which ones are going to be good enough for their brand for them to stand behind and say, yes, you can have some space in our space. I think it's a really great little setting the elevator down, so to speak. What do you, what's your opinion on retail spaces kind of combining those two trends of the experiential uh, retail space and also the stay at home, order what you want and never leave the, never leave your cave, you know? Yeah. Do you think that's ever going to be an attempt, like an attempted combination I don't know. I don't think so. No. My gut would be stay in your lane. Right. Right? Yeah. Like there's like there's I had skipped the dish. Well, no, Uber Eats last night for my popcorn. Like I've from, never from the pop- movie theater. Like have you guys oh, done yeah, this? Yeah, I've, I've seen it as an option, that, but I've yeah. never actually ordered it. Sixteen dollars. It was glorious. But anyways, wow. <laughs> which is a great option for parents, right? Like we're stuck at home, we can't get out. So um I think they will do well. They'll stay in their lane. But at the same time, like Saturday morning, I am like 630. I'm ready to go. Can't wait to get out and experience something. And that's where a farmer's market is a great opportunity. Just to give as an example, um, I think the tricky part will be for the companies that are somewhere in the middle. I really do think that people have to like choose a lane. Are you going to be convenient or are you going to be awesome? Because I would suspect you can't do both. And I have yet to see a model where people do both really well. Even Apple is struggling. Like, I don't know, last time you guys tried to buy something in Apple, I'm like, oh, I'd like to buy these don't have the money headphones. for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm there every day. I just to get my stuff fixed every couple of months, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, I lost my earbuds, so I went in and I was like, I like to purchase these earbuds. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll get someone around here to bring those in for you. I'm like, oh no, I don't need like help. I just want to buy them. They're like, oh no, it's gonna be about a five minute wait. What? To buy, like, this is so weird. Like, there's a million people in that store with their Apple shirts, and I just didn't understand it. So, so anyways, that's just an example where I, I, again, Apple gives a great experience. They're doing the tutorials. I saw a senior's table there, and they were asking a million questions. They had the guy with a mic projecting. It was really cute. So, again, then, then just don't try and be convenient. That would be my sense. Or not get tempted to kind of do it all, you know? Don't do it all. Yeah. Oh God, you will go out of business. For Even sure. Amazon can't do it all. Like they're trying to with the prime, uh, the the go markets. But even that will be lacking in customer service. They can't do it all. No one can do it all. So So as yes. a recap, stay in your lane. Stay Wise in your lane. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> we should That's... do a, a quote of a quote of the day. And I think that should be the one for this one. My bumper sticker. Stay in your lane, guys. <laughs> yeah. Stay in your lane. <laughs> So as a kind of a round off question here for the year 2019, who has been your favorite retailer and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, okay. Can I answer this in a few different ways? Okay. Sure. So my personal favorite is still Poppy Barley. So I don't know. Have you guys been into Poppy Barley yet? Uh, like their new store in well, Southgate. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's super nice. Yeah. I'm hearing a bunch, but I've not made the trip yet. So I highly recommend it. They are a bit pricey, but they're, their quality is unreal and their um, footprint, huh, 
pun intended, on the <laughs> environment is actually, it's quite great. And they almost support uh, a little village in Mexico independently. So I, I think that they're local. One of the sisters is actually a graduate from the BCom program here. So it's just been really cool to see their brand unfold and see their products in those big fashion magazines. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's been really cool to watch that. Okay, great. Well, it's interesting they mentioned Poppy Barley because I'm trying to get them on the podcast as well. So hopefully they'll hear this one and come on the show. But thanks so much for your time, Heather. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. 